accessing library computer data. Out there, there are no saints. Just people. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. We're continuing our run through of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. We're up to the episode called Through the Looking Glass. It is the 19th episode of the third season, aired on April 17th, 1995, written by Iris Stephen Bear and Robert Hewitt Wolf, directed by Weinrich Colby. In this episode, in the quote-unquote mirror universe, Cisco must persuade an alternate version of his dead wife to join the Terran rebels, or he will watch her die a second time. We're joined by Clay. Clay, how are you? Welcome back. I'm good. Thank you. This episode answers the question, not to be crass, right off top. If you were in an alternate universe, would you straight up bang one of your coworkers if you could? <laughs> not just one, two. Right? He sleeps with Kira, I think, in this episode too. Does he? I think Ooh, so. Yeah. I, I didn't. I didn't know. I guess he kind of. He probably does. As far as I'm concerned, that's the only reason that Cisco seems so enthusiastic about this whole thing as he's going through. <laughs> Well, that does answer one of my plot. Well, I don't know if it's a plot hole, but uh, my my big thing, the thing that stood out to me was why on earth would they ever let him talk to his wife at all, let alone be left alone with her? Right. Yep. And I mean, you know, if 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 he gave Kira what she wanted, quote unquote, then maybe maybe she was a little bit, you know, lax in her security. Maybe that makes sense. Yep. She's on familiar terms with him. She calls him Benjamin and everything. This is the second. How do you how do you not? Have a t- they did the same thing in this episode that bothered me with the last Mirror episode, where it's like, it's just, it's over, and it's like, well, well, he gets back, it's fine, it's no problem, and nobody really talks about what happened. How do you have this episode, where he apparently bangs Kira and Dax, and not have some sort of weird, awkward thing as a tail end when he comes back to the station? <laughs> that seems that seems like it, it goes without saying. I think we're starting to wander into the problems that the repeated trips to the mirror universe start to bring up. Um, we're going to take a break. I'm going to play an audio clip. Me and Claire are going to come back, and we're going to break down through the looking glass. Talking about the important issues of this episode. So it's agreed. I hope you get Jennifer away from the Alliance, and then you get me home. You get us Jennifer, you can have anything you want. I just hope you can convince her to leave Tarak Noor. I don't understand what Jennifer is doing helping the Alliance in the first place. I mean, didn't she know that Cisco is leading the rebellion? She knew, all right. The truth is, she and Captain Cisco didn't get along too well. Then again, the captain didn't really get along with anyone. In some ways, the rebellion's better off without him. And don't get me wrong, the captain knew how to fight. But that's about all he knew. All right, so... Clay, the uh, the Mirror Universe, I don't know if I told you this before, the Mirror Universe becomes a sort of annual tradition on DS9. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The uh, return on investment declines over time. This is, the first episode is maybe the best Mirror Universe uh, appearance that we get. This is maybe the second best, and they quickly sort of tail off after this. Um, the, the thing that surprised me about this one is, you know, despite our sort of oft- frequent uh criticism of discovery for not really doing anything with the mirror universe mm-hmm. i think maybe that is actually canon because ds9 takes a brilliant idea and does not do anything with it in the mirror universe <laughs> where it is what would you do if you met your dead wife in an alternate universe right right and you know the, the episode opens up with this great sort of 
idea where I hadn't seen this in a long time. And he's, he's looking at the picture and he's like, he, you know, he's sort of doing that cinematic thing where he's like stroking the face on the picture and looking at it and being like, oh, if things were different, I could go back and change things. Mm-hmm. The episode promptly forgets about that. It is not interested in the fact that Cisco is meeting his wife who died five years ago. Um, it's the biggest problem with the episode. Yep. It is a colossal failure that Discovery seems to be aping in how it covered its Mirror Universe stuff. And frankly, this episode should have been a five out of five because that idea is brilliant. And if not yeah. brilliant, the idea is so easily um, explored that I don't know how you fuck it up the way that they did here. And it's just, it's really sad. And you end up with a an episode of DS9 that I don't think is particularly good. It's not horrendous, but it is it is just kind of there and it's a stock standard pirate like swinging in on the chandelier action episode. Yeah. I, you know, I actually enjoyed this one. Um, I think I might've liked this one a little bit more than the last mirror one. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, I, um, I remember liking that one, but feeling a little bit underwhelmed by it. And this one kind of, I guess I wasn't really expecting too much from it because I know, uh, you know, various people have mentioned that they get to, uh, progressively worse. But I, you know, as as a just a straight up, you know, like like you were saying, swashbuckling kind of action episode, I thought it was pretty good. Um, that being said, yeah, I don't know how you don't even attempt to explore any of that stuff with with Cisco and his wife. Like how the last act of that of that episode is not him trying to debate whether or not he should bring her back with him is unbelievable to me. Yeah. Like how, especially when, when mirror Cisco's dead and like, there's no point where he says to, he says to O'Brien or something like that. Listen, you were going to kill her anyway. Just let me bring her back with me. And cause my wife is dead. Her husband is dead. We can probably, you know, work this out whether or not this is a great idea. Um, she doesn't seem evil. She doesn't seem like yeah, a she, evil mirror universe version of Jennifer. She seems to be Jennifer, basically. Yeah, basically. World. Yeah. And like the fact that that doesn't come up at all is shocking to me. It's really shocking. The 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 way I would have done it is like. Also, sorry. The fact that at the end when uh, uh, she's like, you're not my husband, are you? And he's like, no, I'm not. She's like, hmm. Well, that's weird. Anyway, <laughs> see you later. You're not going to Romulus, <laughs> O'Brien, are you? O'Brien will fill me in. <laughs> you look just like him. You look surprisingly uh, surprisingly like him. Yeah, I think that the... Uh, I don't know. I, I, I feel it's a... I, the idea is just so ripe for things. And you know how we were talking about in the previous episode, Distant Voices is about sort of Bashir losing his mind or something? Yeah. This episode should have been Cisco losing his mind. Right, like it's it should have been the the way that he should have approached this is a losing his mind about what universe he wants to stay in or which Jennifer he wants to take with him, and mm-hmm. they don't touch on any of it. They he, they don't even say it to the point where they don't even write it into the script that he's like, I've had five years and I've gotten over this. He just doesn't bring right. it up. He doesn't he doesn't mention right. anything about it, and it's so weird. Uh, maybe a problem is that the actress is horrible. Like she's a terrible actress. Um. But it's just, I don't know. I, I feel that that's, it's too, it's too important. It's like, it's like we're just keep sort of repeating over and over again. It's like, how do you have this idea and you don't go through with it on any, on any uh, sort of like 
any satisfying way. It just comes out completely out of the washes if you hadn't done anything with it at all. Yeah, there's um um I don't know if this term is exclusive to pro wrestling, but there's a term they use a lot called a blow off match, where uh you know they basically there'll be a feud or a storyline that they're running for however long, and then it never really gets to the point where it's a a money maker, but they still don't want to just drop it, so they'll just do like a blow off match where they're like ah we'll wrap this up, put it at the beginning of one of our pay per views or something, or you know in the middle of a Monday Night Raw and just kind of move on and that'll be that'll be that i thought that this felt like a blow-off episode for his wife Mm -hmm. where she had been such a big part of the first episode and even just the general relationship with him and uh his son but they never really got into it in a very meaningful way at all up to this point and this kind of felt like to me like all right let's touch on this let's give some closure to the thing with his wife so we never have to bring her up again. That kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean... I don't know if that's the case. I don't know if she never shows up again or if they don't really touch on her again, but that's what it felt like. And I think that the... See, I I think that the... Them not touching on this relationship feels okay for me from Emissary because I feel like the point of Emissary, the pilot, was to get closure for him. Like mm-hmm, he was, he mm-hmm. was a lost soul up until that point, and then the prophet showed him um, a way to sort of rationalize and get over the death of his wife. <clears throat> so it makes sense to me that he's in a better spot here, but he shouldn't be fully healed. I just, I can't, right, I right. can't watch that. I can't watch this episode without thinking if I was in Cisco's place, this is like the most personal conflict that Cisco has had to this point in the series. Like this is right. like a deeply troubling thing that's happened to him. And instead they play it as though Cisco, he gets kidnapped by O'Brien. He's like, he's like, where am I? Am I in the mirror universe? I heard a lot about the mirror universe. And O'Brien goes <laughs> like, yeah, you're in the mirror universe. And Cisco goes, great. I bet I know exactly how to act like someone who I've never met before. And he just starts going over the top body pirates on them when he's in like their meetings. And it's so. Because <laughs> he, he, he knows himself. He's like, if I know myself, <laughs> I'm going to overact here if I have the opportunity to. And it's so, I just, I think the episode doesn't work on a narrative level, let alone it doesn't touch on Jennifer. Cisco's rationale for doing anything in this episode doesn't work for me. He has no reason to want to play along with this and go so gung-ho and over the top with it. It just, I know that maybe we're not supposed to take the Mirror episodes uh, silly. I think DS9 doesn't take them particularly seriously, but Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I... that's difficult. I don't think it's a bad episode. I think it's a huge whiff, or if not a whiff, it like it fouled it off so sharply that it was like, oh, if you were really connected with that, it would have been a home run. But instead, you just hit it behind you into the bleachers. I actually forgot until about halfway through the episode that Cisco was not had never been to the Mirror Universe before. Oh, that's something this, I realized. Imme- I, I was so upset immediately because he he jumps right into it. But yeah, go ahead. Right. Yeah, that's I. So when it started, when everything got going so quickly, it didn't really stand out to me until I was like, "Oh, wait a minute, he wasn't there for that last thing. It he shouldn't know anything about like it, the way that they were playing it was felt like uh, he had met his version you know, before. Yeah, it felt like the end of Back to the Future, where Doc is like, "Marty, we have to go to the future," and he's like, "Well, <laughs> here we go again." Like if that's the the that's what it felt like the way that he was approaching everything, but having. The fact that he had never been there before and he was just totally down with whatever was happening was was kind of strange. Yeah. Yep. Um, he's giving like the, of- it would have been great if that whole the whole elevator ride or whatever was him just just going like, wait, 
Okay, so what about my son? All right, well, what about this? What about this? What about this? What about this? I'm I'm having sex with Dax. What, <laughs> having, what about this? What about this? And Kira? What about this? Yeah. What you know? Yeah, <laughs> it, I mean, his life over in the mirror universe seems much better than his sort of ho hum life back in the reality. So like, you should just want to stay over there. The other thing about this is that uh, crossover, the first one, neither Dax nor Bashir were in it. Um, here, they've suddenly appeared. And Dax is very important to the whole sort of uh, process by being his mistress, which they clarify. And Bashir mm-hmm. is just sort of the guy wearing a long wig uh, yelling at you uh, role. Yeah. That's, his, that's his thing <laughs> is to stand there and get punched. Um, I don't so know. who was it just Kira or is it Kira and O'Brien in the first one? In the first one? Yeah. It was Bashir and Kira. Bashir and Kira. So Bashir oh. didn't exist because Bashir did, couldn't meet himself in the mirror universe. Um, or they didn't want to go down that rabbit hole. Oh, I see. But okay, he's okay. he's here now because Bashir didn't go over in the first place. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I just i I think that it's a. Well, we'll get the uh, the Tuvok makes an appearance in this episode. Yeah, that what a <laughs> weird cameo. Well, it's kind of nice in a um. All these shows are on at the same time now, so it's nice to see someone from another universe, or not another universe, but another series in this show. Um, I like the fact that they don't stress on it. They don't say Tuvok 300 times throughout the episode. Uh, He's just kind of there in the background. You thought it was weird? I I guess it was just, I guess I was expecting a little bit more. Uh, I don't know why, but the fact that he was there, I was expecting, oh, I mean, it's a crossover, maybe he'll have something actually to do. But he was just in the background, which is fine. The um, season three of DS9, while I consider it inconsistent, we've talked about it up to this point where I think that this middle stretch is actually pretty uh, subpar. Um, It's struggling to get to like average episodes, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. It's funny that after past tense, we have another episode where Cisco impersonates someone. And this this season could be defined by it's all about identity. it's just it struck me right after we'd watched past tense. This is another episode where Cisco's like, "Yeah, I'll, I'll assume the mantle of that person and do stuff. Uh, why not?" Yeah, it point. feels very Picard would never have done that. It feels very much like a Cisco trait to want to jump into these things. And I don't know. It's 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 almost too repetitive of what past tense was. Yeah, that's a good point. <clears throat> I actually hadn't thought about that. Um, yeah, I don't know if uh, I. I I feel like this that through line would be more interesting if it was something that um, Cisco was actively struggling with. Uh, but I, I, from the episodes I've watched anyway, I, I don't see any sense of him like having any sort of identity crisis or anything. No, no. Um, if, if it was like a season long arc where he was trying to figure out his his role or what he was as a person and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Or just you know, touch on it every now and then or something, or have him wistfully daydream about something else he could be doing. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, I mean, what he's doing is kind of thankless work. So I could see him being a little bit, uh, uh, cooped up and wondering if he made the right decisions about X, Y, and Z. And so putting him in these situations where he gets to examine things from the other side and, and all that kind of stuff could have, could have been really interesting, but unfortunately, you know, that's not what they decide to do. Do you um do you think I'm being too harsh on expecting too much out of the Mirror Universe episodes? Or do you think that I'm just supposed to sit back and enjoy the fact that the actors are not playing the same versions of themselves? Yeah, I think from the two that I've seen, 
the emphasis seems to be more on the fun of it than anything else. Um, and you, and th- I think, you go ahead. Yeah, sorry. Well, I was just going to say, I think that's, I think I, I'm totally with you. I think they could have done so much more. I mean, the mirror universe is such, again, much like the last episode, it's a great concept that they just can't seem to do anything really interesting with other than like, Hey, look, he's acting angry. Uh, so it's 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 too bad that that they don't get into it, but at the same time, you know, it is it is fun to see some of these stuffier characters get to let loose in ways they don't usually get to let loose and stuff. And and I, not to not to drag Discovery through the mud again, it just it just heightens what they did wrong with it on that show, where it's like there's no you don't you don't get to see what the the type they're playing against in Discovery. Yeah. Uh, so none of the stuff there works for me. Yeah. Um, whereas on this, on these ones, it's like you get to see that the, the type that they're playing against clearly because they're characters that you're all familiar with, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I, I, I think that the maybe my problem with the DS9 version of the Mirror Universe is that I don't even Discovery. I think even does this slightly better. I don't understand what is shifted in the Mirror Universe. Yeah, that's fair. Like I, some people seem to be evil versions. Some people seem to be <clears throat> Miles O'Brien is exactly the same person in each universe. Um, you know, Dax is kind of just a sexier version. He's got a different name. He, yeah, he's Smiley, which is a yeah. <laughs> nice touch. But I, like, I, I just don't think that it's they they play up the swashbuckling pirates in space angle, and I don't. Uh, that's not really what I'm looking for out of a mirror universe. I think that the the concept is so set up for some kind of character work that not yeah. doing it feels like a huge letdown. Um, yeah. And Discovery failed on every level of doing it, but at least when I was like, oh, the Mirror Universe is everyone is everyone is a bad version of themselves in the Mirror Universe, even though we don't know what the good version is in some cases because we never met the good version in Discovery. Um, this is that. It's just a, you know, it's a lot of, I, I, there's only so much of running down hallways in Star Trek and shooting at each other that I can take. And mm-hmm. I, a lot I just, of that in this episode. There's a lot of that in this episode. And I, I think the characters and the actors have fun with it. Kira and uh, Nana Visitor obviously has fun playing the superintendent. Um, the it's a a weird, gross sexuality that goes on in in the mirror universe in this season in this series. I don't know. It's just kind of it just leaves me wanting. Yeah. Um, I think I th- now that I'm thinking back on it, I think probably one of the things that m- that allowed me to enjoy this more is because I was expecting more from the uh, Cisco and his wife thing. Mm-hmm. Cause like I said, I mean like the fact that they don't do anything with it is, is baffling. And so I think I was just expecting some sort of payoff to that. So I was like, all right, you know, this is pretty fun and they're going to deal with that stuff. And then they didn't. And so, bleh. um, yeah, it's just, it is a shame. They're, they're, like, like you said, there's so much opportunity for, for fun and interesting character stuff. Um, just like, especially, uh, I mean, just a, another thing about having coming back at, at the end is you, like, I feel like, especially on a TV show like this, the fact that there was no scene when he comes back to DS9 and calls O'Brien smiley or something right, like that. Like that, yeah, yeah. that seems like the TV writing 101 <laughs> to, have, <laughs> to have a stupid scene like that at the end. <laughs> yeah, just the, even the, I don't know if this is supposed to be Cisco buying into. He's like, oh, I must act exactly like Mirror Universe Cisco. He, Dax in the real universe is an old man that he used to know. You know, I know. 
I was thinking about that too. <laughs> like, there's no. Why is he? Why is he so willing? He 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 kind of puts up a face. He's like, maybe we should go over our data logs before we start this attack. And she's like, no, have sex with me. He says, okay. Like the. It, it, there's no questioning. He should he should have some kind of question about that. Like this is his old friend that used to be a man, and it's, is now this. Maybe this is a. I can't remember if they mention her first name or whatever. But is do we know that it's the same symbiote? We don't. Uh, they call her Dax, right? I, I don't yeah, know if they is, ever is call Dax her Jedzia. the symbiote name or Dax is, is the, Dax is the symbiote. Jedzia is the woman. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. I guess then it would be the same symbiote then. Yeah. So it's, it's and also, I don't know if they did this just for censor censorship reasons, but uh, maybe they didn't have sex because they start making out, and she pulls off her shirt and unbuttons his, and then the next scene, they're both still fully clothed. Yeah, he's looking at a not, data pad. Yeah. Yeah, and they are not on the same bed. It's like very much like a 1930s haze code kind of thing where it's like his feet have to be on the floor so there's no implication that they are having sex you might be right it would be the same no i'm not they totally boned they they had to have um and it's just a you know what would be a good mirror universe episode is if the dax symbiote is the thing that crosses over oh yeah into the other universe um yeah it's just a I had something I wanted to say about that. Like, just the, the sleeping with Dax thing doesn't make sense. I don't understand how... How is there not a line at the end when they're under fire and they're fighting in the hallways and Jennifer's there and Cisco doesn't have a line, I won't let you die again? How does he not say something like that? Like, that oh, is, yeah. that's, that's built into this. I don't understand how he doesn't... He seems so disinterested in her at the very end. It's it's very yeah, odd. That, she could have been literally any other character that he's even met tangentially. Yeah. And nothing would change, you know? Yep. Could have just been Nog, who gets uh, sort of barbarically stabbed yeah. to death against the, the door. That's funny, because I was going to say it could have been Quark. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Quark died in Crossover, right? So Quark, oh, he did? Yeah, oh, Quark, that's right. Quark's okay. dead. They're, they're taking out the Ferengi one by one in the Mirror Universe. Um, although I like Nog in the Mirror Universe. He's kind of a uh, commando, gung-ho, uh, I'm going to yell at you and you're going to yell at me kind of character. Which is d- different also, from You know what his, else would have been good? Could have been Jake. That would have been good. Yeah. Although, seen, I mean, I, I say it would have been good, but I'm, the whole point of we're having this conversation is that they didn't do anything with the character. <laughs> well, right. Like, yeah, I don't This would have been the episode to have Jake in, right? Like, Jake should go back with Cisco in this one and see his mother. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's weird. Yeah. Jake hasn't been... I don't think Jake was in Distant Voices either. It's been a little while since we've seen him. Mm. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I just... I'm trying to think about what actually happens in the episode now. I, you know, it's, it ends up in this sort of action-y thing. I feel like all the Mirror Universes kind of suffer from how many rebellions can happen on Tarek Nor in the span of a few years. You know, like, they, they never mm-hmm. seem to lock down the security or anything like that. It's always a very, oh, the humans are uprising and they're going to be attacking us and we lose control of the station and everything. Also, it did answer a question that I had from the last one, which was, I didn't understand the geography of their or processing plant sure because it seemed like it was in a cave so how could it be on the station but they do pretty clearly say that it's on the station yeah it's like the the processing room or something it's in the middle yeah. of the, uh, the station i guess it's a strange seems like a strange room i wonder what that room is on the regular one right it was probably a cargo bay or something right i guess yeah. the uh well i mean it, it's interesting to me like they've never uh 
like if you're watching the show, they've never really delved into the layout of the station and how it functions as a mining station. It, it, once yeah. you once you know it, you can kind of look at it and go, oh, that makes a lot of sense. But until then, um, it doesn't. And it's funny because it's so the design of the station is clearly very strongly influenced by the purpose that the station serves. Like the the sort of arc design where a lot of ships can come in. It has the central processing area and then has sort of like the promenade that circles around it where people can mm-hmm. live. I don't mm-hmm. know. It's it's for how clearly designed it is to be that they don't really care. There was one episode that I the only reason I really liked the episode is because it really delved into the history of the station as a um death camp mining station. Um mm. and they just haven't touched on that since. It's just it's it's odd, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really know what to add to that. Yeah, that's that's fine. Um, I don't really have anything else. I mean, so are are we just supposed to just, are we, is this episode saying to us that Cisco's relationship with his wife is healed at this point? He is over her. I kind of feel like it. I mean, that's what it felt like to me. The, The fact that he showed almost no emotion to the fact that he was, like, even the first scene with her, why, he's like just, all business yeah <laughs> you know there's no like moment where he's he was taken still, aback at he seeing was still his in his refractory wife. period clay still still got to work up the yeah, uh the art. <laughs> depends on how much vitamin e he can get his hand on <laughs> no i 100 percent agree he is um he does not it doesn't even seeing his wife doesn't even knock him out of the character of being mirror cisco he right. still maintains that he doesn't like crack and say like oh my god it's jennifer uh, he just yells at garrick and tells him to get out. Yeah, and even like when uh, O'Brien tells him about her, he's kind of like, "Oh, well, that's odd." And <laughs> O'Brien's like, "Why is that odd?" It's like, "Well, she's she's dead." <laughs> like it's you know it's it's it. He's just so unaffected by it. It's very strange. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it is weird. I I don't know. I I think we're supposed to assume that the. Uh, I think we're supposed to assume that this is the this is. This is this episode extremely poorly saying that Cisco is over his wife. And yeah. that should have been the focus and like he doesn't need a fake version. It's not the it's not the discovery version um where the whole point of this episode is that maybe going in you no know, if I was rewriting this Cisco would go in be shocked to see his wife. He'd have a whole episode built around whether or not he wants to go back or whether or not she is the only thing that means anything to him. Mm-hmm. He'd ultimately decide that he's over it. She's not real, and he can go back to the station and re- like pick up his life where he left off, and that this is all over. Episode touches on none of that. It is yeah. not interested in that, and that that's just really surprising to me. Or I would I would say my slight edit would be that he spends time trying to decide whether or not he should bring her back with him, right? And but doing so would be taking an element away from the rebellion or something like that. So he has oh, to sure. decide, you know, whether or not he wants to be selfish and bring her, or leave her so she can help the rebellion. And you know, then he has to make that decision. What's Cisco's motivation here? Do you does Cisco care about the mirror universe? Did did that come across to you? I'm I spent this uh, episode being extremely unsure why he's doing anything that he's doing. Yeah, I don't know, no idea, because it's fun. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> it's not every day he gets to break out and uh, also I, I assume he was told about his relationship with Kira beforehand because he just jumps right into that one maybe he just he maybe he just 
he had such a strong hit with Dax that he's like, you know yeah. what? I can do this. Um, <laughs> I can do this with anyone that I goddamn well please. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the weird, the uh, the Kira when we meet Kira, uh, Superintendent Kira, and she's on the the sort of lap of that guy who's who's yes. shirtless and she's stroking his head and everything like mm-hmm. that. Star Trek's uh, Star Trek sexuality is disgusting, but I can't look away. Is how I yeah. would describe it. <laughs> yeah, it's very Roman. It's very Roman and very sort of uh, heavy breathing and sort of like groping and stuff. And it's just, it, it feels very, very sloppy to me. It's not romantic at all. It's just, it's, um, yeah, very, very odd. It's almost like yeah. this hypnotic quality when she's like stroking that guy's head and I'm just sitting there like, oh, God damn, this is bizarre. But yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's supposed to be like uh, overindulgent, you yes. know? So yeah. it's, she should be eating grapes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean she's got a man and a woman there that she's into and you know it's it's equally gross on both ends. Int- and, interesting uh, that, right? That's a uh not a discovery invention, I guess, right? Because it uh the uh what the hell is the George Ao, uh at the end of the discovery first season spoilers um is seen in bed with a woman. Oh yeah, that's right. So they maybe that was not as um sort of forward thinking as discovery thinks it is because yeah. kira seems to Dis- be the same way either that or discovery the discovery writing team is paying attention to very odd details <laughs> about the reference that they're looking at <laughs> like why are there so many shirtless men getting their heads stroked in this series it doesn't make any sense to me oh i guess it's all it's all in canon at this point mm. yeah um i think we're done with this one talking about through the looking glass which is uh a smiley o'brien feature <laughs> This and, might be spoilers for future seasons, but does does Kira, does Mira Kira ever come to the Prime Universe? I'm not up to date. I I can't answer that effectively. I've, I've also been devastated by uh, Remember <laughs> Destiny, the episode, um, the one yes. where they they talk through the wormhole. They send the Cardassian thing to talk oh, through. Oh yes, yeah. I I was um I was very wrong about the the communication relay not coming back oh. and it does it it's it didn't stick with me but it it is a part of something going forward so I'm hesitant to say anything about Kira I don't really remember these are the two mirror universe episodes that I remember the most mm. um so I don't know if that's a is uh is the the communication array thing is that what the the um Cisco's wife is working on in the mirror universe too or something similar to it. Oh, is it? What is she working on? Let me. I'm, I don't I'm know. This I up ju- now. It was another, you know, technical term that is not a real thing. But She's like, re- for some reason, it just in my head, I remembered it as I I interpreted it as being similar to the thing that they were doing that they had done in destiny no it looks like she's working on a version of the death star she's working on a transpectral array that will enable the alliance to root out the it's a different array okay yeah it's a different (laughs) array that they're going to use to root out the rebellion of their bases in the badlands so it's not quite the same thing um although her her characterization of the mirror universe is interesting she wants to do this to end the bloodshed but she's working for the bad guys which is mm. an interesting. They could have built something off of that for the episode, but they didn't really. Like that's a yeah, that could have been good. Yeah, that's something to go into. It's just it's because she is not a bad person in this. It's just that she is choosing to do bad. How would you describe DS9's mirror universe? I guess like how would, if you were if you were running the writers' room and you had someone and you wanted someone to write a mirror universe, what would you say DS9's take on the mirror universe is? Um. Oh geez, uh, Kira is evil. Yeah, that's 
kind of kind of it at this point i mean i'm I'm not being i'd say it's it's a pirate theme <laughs> like I yeah feel like it's very piratey it's a lot it of it does it feels it feels very piratey yeah yeah it's like people should just be swinging in on ropes into kira's uh, uh the ops meetings and stuff like that it's it's very um hook yeah you know and i i don't mind that you know i i, I don't think that the uh and I, I might be contradicting myself if i've said this differently previously but that was just miracle i saying it um I don't mind that the mirror universe is open to interpretation. Uh, they I at agree. least seem fairly consistent in their presentation so far in this series. Um, so that doesn't, it doesn't really bother me that it's not, you know, goatees and exact mirror opposites like it was in the original one. Right. Um, yep. So yeah, I, I, consi- I, I value consistency probably more than anything else. And I don't... having, having a reason to use it, uh, and so far, it's been fun, but I don't know if if they are really justifying the use of it as much as they could be. I don't. I feel something that's unique about DS9 compared to TNG is that, um, and I don't know if this is just my bias of knowing TNG better. I feel like I see the yearly schedule of DS9 more than I ever felt in TNG. Like mm-hmm. I, I feel like I'm like, oh, time for that Mirror Universe episode coming around it's that time of year again like i I feel like the the scheduling of ds9 episodes is more uh obvious to me and i I see them coming and i'm like oh of course they have to do this episode oh of course they're going to do their ferengi episode oh of course they're going to do this um and i don't know tng probably did the same thing it just it didn't feel as obvious to me i didn't notice it when it came up the way that i do here Mm -hmm. um one thing about the mirror universe that i think is kind of interesting is that the mirror universe is really effective in TOS, right? Because the TOS universe is the sort of very good moralistic Gene Roddenberry thing. Uh, and it's compared against like an evil fascist empire. Like is there a mirror universe? So it's, it's literally a dark mirror for themselves. Right. Right. DS nine. I don't know if this was a listener or someone who made the point. DS nine is already the most cynical of the star Trek shows. So it's hard to do a mirror universe of this series. Right. Right. Yeah. I would you, say the same for discovery too. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. Like they just discovery. They just made it literally darker. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I just I I think that, like a lot of the issues in it would be more interesting handled in the real prime universe. I feel like right. Like right. I'd rather have. I don't know if it would be better, but like if Mirror Jennifer came through to this universe, I think that's more interesting than him going in and seeing her because if she was over in our universe she'd see jake and she and cisco would get a sense of like this is how things could be if we weren't in this bizarre pirate universe yeah yeah it you just, know it didn't I, come across i think you know that's a, i don't know if i if i'd ever really thought about that before about how it's hard to do a mirror mirror universe for a show that's already really you know cynical and dark um but it makes me think that if i were to to handle the mirror universe in DS9 or even Discovery, I would go the other way with it. And why not have the mirror universe be a utopia? Yeah. But maybe the utopia is not under the means that are uh, exactly in line with what this, you know, the prime universe is all about. You know what I mean? Oh, sure. It's like a fascist utopia. Like they've gotten everything to be working, but it's because of sort of brutality almost. Like they've, the, the ends... It's a it's a question of did the ends justify the means? I guess right, yeah. Reasons. And you can have you know if you've got if if your show is in is in a negative space, then it would make sense that your that your mirror universe episode would be in a positive space because you are directly contrasting 
the 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 themes and and the the presentation of the show. Yeah, which yep. then causes your characters who are in a very different headspace to think about things very differently. Um, whereas if you just cross over and it's like even darker and even more weird than the one you're already in, it's difficult to really relate to that, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, like what would be a bigger mind fuck for, for Michael Burnham to go into the mirror universe to find out that she's also an orphan there and dead or to go over there and find out that she's like her family is alive and she's, you know, living a great life, you know? Right. Because of... Yes, if her mirror universe was she did not do what she did at the Battle of the Binary Stars and everything turned out better, mm -hmm. that's a world that is upsetting to her. You know, because she, she would go back to her reality and have to be like, this is all my fault, what's happened to yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. And I think we've talked about that before, too, where the, the, the uh, mirror universe works best when they, when they handle it with sort of a ghost of Christmas future kind of, right. or ghost of Christmas past kind of, a, it's a wonderful life type approach yeah um and this episode here does definitely does not have that but it could have like i think that's where the element with his wife would have come into play is you know that's it 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 brings in that aspect of what if that the, that is so fun and and effective in the mirror universe and unfortunately it doesn't have that yeah yep 100 percent. all right well we talked about this one enough we're going to take a break I'm going to play an audio clip. We'll come back and we'll give our final thoughts and we'll read some patron thoughts. He's dead, isn't he? I'm sorry. Don't be. Who are you? Really? It's a long story. But ask Smiley. He can fill you in on the details. He seems like a good man. He does it that. So, what are you going to do now? Oh, I'm sure Smiley will find something to keep me busy. You're not really going to visit the Romulans, are you? The deal was that I get you out the station, and then I go home. Will I see you again? I don't know. All right, everybody. So if you support the show on patreon.com slash the Penske file, you get to leave thoughts about upcoming episodes. We read and react to them on the show. So Eric McGowan says through the looking glass, the second outing to the mirror universe just doesn't have the same sparkle that crossover had. The plot is boring and the relationship between Cisco and Jennifer is just flat and dull. Uh, Stephen Cobb says through the looking glass. So, the Alliance totally has cloaking devices. Also, how weird was it for Cisco to hook up with Jadzia? That felt so out of character for Cisco because the show went to great lengths to establish that Cisco thought of Jadzia like Curzon. I can't even think that Cisco secretly enjoyed it because he made it clear it would be like hooking up with his old mentor. He has mentioned that in previous episodes. <laughs> um, why? Why did that happen here, Clay? We've talked about this, but like I don't think we really got to the core of why did this happen. Is it's really it's just the mirror universe in DS9 is supposed to be fun, right? Is that it? Hey, man, maybe things would change if Prime Universe Dax took her shirt off. I don't know. <laughs> Noticed just, how she's never done that. It's true. It's always so so buttoned up and uh, and firm and and uh, sort of by the book and everything. She just needs to let loose a little bit. Yeah, it's it it, it, it is kind of weird. I mean, I guess it is just like you know, Mirror Universe fun, but uh, 
Yeah, that's another instance where they could have been like, I don't know, just give her a different name or something. I, I was, um, yeah, a different symbiote would have been interesting. The, um, I was, I was reading a little bit of background about this. Apparently, I don't know how true this is, but I'm, I see it on the internet, so I'm going to accept it as gospel. But apparently Avery Brooks was very excited when he got the script here because he's like, oh, this is the first time that Ben Sisko will have had sex. And do our actors aware that they're not really having sex when the script tells them that they're the character? Like, why? Why would an actor find that to be exciting? That, that's so. It's so strange. Method acting. Method acting. <laughs> so after these takes, uh, Avery Brooks has to walk off set and go into his trailer for three minutes, and then come back out and be like, "Okay, I'm ready for the, the after scenes." Um, let's see here. But but Holly McLaughlin says not a fan of the mirror universe, but this is my least disliked mirror universe, which I guess means it's not terrible. Uh, joint mango says through the tooting gas or how Ben and the audience should stop worrying. Cause that is not Jenny from the block. This and the next mirror universe apps are the runts of the litter. Wait, hold on. Could you read that first sentence again? <laughs> sure. Joint mango says through the tooting gas or how, uh-huh. how Ben and the audience should stop worrying. Cause that is not Jenny from the block. <laughs> A lot of references. New York Times or something? (laughs) Daily News or whatever, which one of those it is? Well done. (laughs) New York Daily News. Um, Chad Wiley says, through the looking glass, after crossover, I consider this to be the only other watchable Mirror Universe episode. It's not as good as the first one, but it has its moments. The most interesting angle to me is Cisco trying to deal with the reality of another Jennifer. I think there's a lot of interesting story to get out of an alternate universe version of a dead loved one, someone who's different from the person you knew, but the same in some little ways. I think that that would really mess with one's head. DS9 explores this a little bit, but I would prefer that to be the main focus of the show. Instead, we get a rescue story that's hard to get interested in because we don't really care about any of the characters except for Sisko. Also, this episode begins the transformation of Mirakira from fascinating Dukat stand into one-note sex kitten, which is hard to forgive. <laughs> um, there, there were a lot of um, <clears throat> suspicious low shots of Kira. In yes, this episode. They love her ass. Uh, Anytime she can yeah. walk out of the room, they they just shoot her ass the entire time. Yeah. Um, I know you liked Kira. I don't know if you've been watching enough. I'm a, I'm a little concerned with how they're handling Kira at this point. Uh, oh yeah, I don't know if I'm catching enough of it because I feel like she hasn't really been prominent in the last few that I've watched. No, they're doing a thing where. Uh, well, she, you know, is she in mourning after no, Billy after, was dead. <laughs> <laughs> after Belial died. Um, no, she... So the the Belial thing, you didn't see that episode, but her boy, her boyfriend died in that episode, right? Mm-hmm. She is not a focus of the episode. It's a Bashir episode. Oh, makes, that's weird. It makes no sense. They now... You watched Heart of Stone, so they've started to pair yep. her with Odo, or not pair, but they've hinted at this relationship. That is similarly disturbing because... Not disturbing, but it's similarly bad writing because... That relationship so far only takes place in Odo's perspe- uh, perspective. So yeah. Kira is sort of an object in mm. that storyline, and that's the way that uh, Barile's story was too. Kira was just kind of on his arm. She was the girlfriend who is irrelevant to him dying right. in this episode. Yeah. And it goes into your thing about she doesn't have a lot to do uh, at this point. I think that's kind of the rudderlessness of the show. Her role is not really clear to fu- clearly defined here. Um, and it's a little bit... It's a little bit annoying. It's not it's not good writing for a character who's very strong. Uh let's see here. Doot doot doot, distant voices. That's it. I think that's it. Those are all the through the looking glass episodes. Let me actually look and make sure that I didn't miss anything. I don't think I did. Doot doot do. No. 
that's pretty much it. All right, so Clay, <clears throat> on our one to five <throat> rating scale, what are you going to give through the Looking Glass? Um, I'll give it a three. Uh, mostly because of uh, more great Andrew Robinson reaction shots, um, <laughs> which are are very. <laughs> There's a very stark contrast in this episode when they cut away to Andrew Robinson. He's like earning his money, and then they'll cut away to uh, Cisco's wife, and she's just like, <laughs> like a deer in the headlights. She's, uh, yeah, not she's not not very good. She she Andrew Robinson is earning his money, and she's cashing checks. I think would be the analogy there. Yeah, um, but yeah, I you know I I. Everybody seems to like this one more than the last one, and I don't know if I like this one more than the last one legitimately, or if I just, you know, I enjoyed this, and I remember the last one being a little bit underwhelmed by it, but I don't remember it being bad or anything. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I'd give it a three. You know, I think it, it's fun. Uh, I do think there is a crap load of missed potential here, um, which is unfortunate, but, you know, what are you yeah. going to do? I'm going to give it a two, uh, mostly because I can't overlook that missed potential, really. And I think that yeah. the, I think crossover, the first episode, the reason I would say it is, it's better is that it is more, because it spent the time establishing the mirror universe of characters like Odo in the mirror universe mm-hmm. uh, and Quark, it was more interesting to me than this one, where I don't really feel that this is anything but Cisco goes into an alternate universe where everyone is a little bit different from yeah, themselves. That's fair. Um, yeah. And I liked crossover for that. I would have been fine with crossover being the only mirror universe thing, uh, but they came back for this, and it just—I don't—I don't really enjoy that this kind of actiony. Th- this is bad Star Trek action, I guess, is how I would uh, describe it. Because eventually they do do good Star Trek action, but this is not really it. It's not what the show does well. Yeah, there's lots of hallway running in this episode. Yeah, yeah. running, running, and shooting, which yep. is which has never really been a, a, a hallmark of uh, great. Star Trek. No, I mean, to do that, you have to have a very Iron Man version of what the conflict between Kira and Cisco is. You know, and the, they're just bickering about getting the scientist back. Uh, yeah. It's just not interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I wonder if I was projecting onto this more than there was, because I think you do get a lot of mileage out of the fact that it is Cisco's wife. So I, I wonder if I was thinking like, I was doing the work for them. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, where they Your weren't actually doing anything. Yeah, yeah I, they weren't doing anything. But in my head, I'm thinking, oh, Cisco is saving his wife. Obviously, that's a big deal. But when you actually take a step back and look at what the work that they did, they're not supporting that with anything substantial at all. Yep. Yep. So I'll give it a two. Clay, will give it a three. Um, that's about it for Through the Looking Glass. We made it through our Mirror Universe episode of Season 3. And uh, thank you guys for listening. Thank you for supporting the show. If you want to support the show, the best way to do that is patreon.com slash thepenskyfile. A couple dollars a month, you get extra stuff. The other best way to do it is to rate us on iTunes because that still matters in this 2018 world. And it's much appreciated to the people who go there and give us a rating. Um, other than that, Facebook, Twitter, Discord. Go to the Discord channel. There's all that good stuff. And then I think that's it. And as always, the patrons at the captain tier get a shout out. That goes to, thanks very much, goes to Stephen Cobb, Samuel Custer, Santos Gonzalez, Robert Cummins, Andrew Kerlog, Matthew Cutler, Spinobi, Russ Graham, Eric Johnson, Nathan Elliott, Decker Sebastiani, Neil Brennan, Carrie Mobility, Michael Pond, Bradley Killens, Rune Venler, Jay Stanley, Mike Burnett, Matthew Ross, Ben Douglas, Kyle Barrett, Joint Mango, Tark Latif. Thank you guys very, very much. Much appreciated.
Um, and we went over the two, we went over the last goal recently. So we have to do two, um, podcasts this month. So we'll have the AMA coming up eventually when me and Clay get to record that. So you can look forward to that. Thank you for supporting the show. Clay, did you have anything you wanted to talk about before we go? Uh, again, we got a Batman podcast coming out pretty soon with me and Sean Murphy for uh, Batman, the animated series. It's called the bat ass podcast. And, uh, if you want to get on board with that, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at bat ass podcast, which is B A T T A S S podcast. And it should be coming out pretty soon. So, yep. Hopefully yep. you guys will enjoy it as a channel in the discord for it. You can leave your excited pre-release thoughts <laughs> thoughts there let us know what your favorite is although i guess the favorite is supposed to everyone's favorite is supposed to be heart of ice i guess because that one won an award so you know spoiler alert for our podcast but uh it's really good <laughs> the episode <laughs> is really good <laughs> it's like it's it's it is such a stark difference and no, that's not to say the other ones are are bad because they 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 do swing in quality quite a bit but like Heart of Ice is so clearly a fantastic episode of television mm-hmm. that uh, it's I didn't realize exactly how stark a difference it was until we did this run through. So um, I gave that one a two. So no, something, I'm just kidding, obviously, something to um, I guess that could be the non sequitur. Uh, the podcast has been the only thing that's caused me to sort of outside of modern shows that I semi-watch this way, but the to, to go back and re-watch something all the way through consecutively mm-hmm. is eye-opening, and it is, it, it's kind of like, it's kind of like uh, tripping on LSD or something. It like opens your mind to this perspective that you never realized before about yeah, like how yeah. bad your memory is of things and how I can't, if someone asked me about a movie that I saw a year or two ago, my opinion is virtually meaningless if I haven't seen it recently. It's just me going off of, yeah, I remember that one moment and that was great. So I'm going to say that's a great movie. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. I don't know if you guys experienced the same with Batman uh, or if it was just kind of a, if you remembered it exactly the same way. Well, yes and no. Um, I, I think even at the time for, for me and Sean, uh, that Batman show was so different than any other cartoon that was out because it was clearly made by people who understood the source material, cared about the source material, and were not really pandering to children. Yeah. Because there's some shit in those episodes, which, you know, even we just, we uh, one of the ones that I talk about as being one of my least favorite episodes is one where uh, Bruce Wayne gets amnesia and ends up uh, living in a- In the sewers. Wor- more or <laughs> right. less. He, he's working yeah. in like a chain gang of homeless people or something. And uh, watching it again for the show- I was like, man, I still don't really like this episode, but the first 15 minutes is is pretty adult stuff. It starts off with uh, Bruce Wayne visiting a soup kitchen and uh, and the guy at the soup kitchen talking about the homeless epidemic. And I, it occurred to me, it's like, I the fact that it's mentions homeless people at all, and it's not in a comedic sense, because usually if there's homeless people in a cartoon, it's for some sort of joke. Yeah. Um, the fact that they mentioned homeless people at all in a serious sense, and uh, then the rest of the episode deals with the abduction and uh, mistreatment of said homeless people, that's yeah. pretty intense stuff for a kid's cartoon. And there's a previous one earlier in the season called POV, which features uh, 
multiple points of view and unreliable narrators. And it's like, you're not going to see that on like Thundercats, you know? <laughs> An extremely hardcore sex from multiple yeah. <laughs> No, they don't do that until they get to the movies that have been coming out the last couple of years, which, woof, man. I just watched, uh, I watched about 20 minutes of Batman and Harley Quinn, which is the most recent one. Holy shit. I don't know if you remember, uh, I don't know, maybe God, 10 years ago or so, um, they brought back Ren and Stimpy, and they yes. brought back John Kay to do it, and it was, like, really fucking weird. It was, like, gross and really sexual and, like, kind of angry. Yep. And it almost felt like he was doing it because he was com- contractually obligated to, so he was just going to say, fuck it, I'm going to do whatever. That's what this movie feels like. It's, there's, it's very sexual. Um, in a way that I didn't think people were doing with comic book characters anymore, uh, because of, you know, t- changes in tastes and, and, and all Cultural, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like it, Nightwing tracks down Harley Quinn. She's working at a superhero themed Hooters restaurant <laughs> that is not shy about showing you many sexually sexed up versions of superhero characters. Yeah. Uh, he follows her home. They get into a small fight. She knocks him out. When he comes to, he's tied to her bed, and she changes clothes in front of him, which, no lie, swear to God, they don't show it explicitly, but the the implication is very clear. He gets a boner, (laughs) and then they have sex, (laughs) and then after she teams up with him and Batman, they're in the Batmobile, and and she's basically says like oh it, you know what do you think we were dating now or something like that and then she says maybe i'll call you if i run out of batteries oh um that's and edgy. then later in that scene she farts in the batmobile and batman says it smells like discipline <laughs> it's one of the weirdest movies i've ever seen Chris and that's, Nolan. A, that's that comes after that comes after the cartoon version of the killing joke which yep. features a half an hour of material that has nothing to do with the story and which features Batgirl having sex with Batman, Batman ghosting her, and then Batgirl quitting because of that. <laughs> it's it's like I don't know what's going on over there, but it's it's very strange. And and uh I don't know how we ended up getting to this topic, but it's nothing like the original show. <laughs> <laughs> so check out the badass podcast which will not uh, be discussions of the most recent animated dc stuff um and yeah i think that's pretty much it i had some point i was going to make about that but it's gone now anyway uh guys thank you very much for listening to the show we are through with this section we'll be back with improbable cause and then the die is cast right after this so people are very excited for this um let's see here I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, that's it. Guys, thank you very much for listening. Truly appreciate it. And we'll be back in a couple days with Improbable Cause. See ya.